a Podcast One production. Empathy can lead to trust and then you've got to back it up. So do what you say you're going to do. I'm Margie Hartley, executive coach to senior leaders around the globe, as well as 11 of the top ASX listed companies. And this is Fast Track. In this episode, why you should bring empathy to work with my guest, Kate Nuttall, Head of People and Culture at the National Australia Bank. Relationships have a huge impact on the way we think and perform, and success at work and in life can be derailed by poor relationships. So if relationships are predicated on our ability to empathise and act accordingly, I want to dig deep into what empathy is at work and why it's important. Why are we reportedly getting worse at this skill and what can we do about it? Kate, you've got over 20 years experience as an expert in people and culture and I wanted to talk to you from both this and your personal experience of empathy at work. So my first question is, what is empathy? What's your interpretation? My interpretation of empathy, it's a real feeling of connection. So it is the ability for, I'm going to say two people, um, to see a situation and be able to feel it from the perspective of each other. So it's a real connection. I, um, I liken it to the true love kiss in fairy tales. So you can't fake it. And if you try to fake it, then the magic doesn't happen. It's really interesting because I was reading a fair bit about this and there's this idea of empathy, sympathy, you know, over-empathising. A lot of people think empathy is absolutely feeling the other person's feelings. Is, Is that your interpretation? No, I wouldn't say it's absolutely feeling. It's an understanding. So I think when empathy is at its best, the other person doesn't walk away with the monkey on their back per se, but they're almost the cheerleader of the other person. So that even in circumstances that are sad or unfortunate, they're with them saying, we're going to work through this together. I'm here and I'm with you and I get you. So I, I don't think it is a, um, I don't think it's the same as a, a problem shared is a, is a problem halved. I think it is really connecting with that person and helping them through whatever they need to get through or celebrating with them. It could it doesn't necessarily need to be in a situation where things are grim. It can be really feeling someone else's success and being proud with them and being a cheerleader. Mm. So it's this idea of taking on someone else's perspective rather than actually feeling or, you know, jumping into the to the box with them. Yeah, I think that's right. And it's without judgment, right? So it's not it's it, you suspend all of that um, all of that feeling around, if I were you, I would do this. You totally appreciate the actions that they've taken and you understand from their perspective why they've done it and you're there with them as a supporter. I think that's so interesting because I have to say, I get quite reactive when people try and tell me what to do when I'm having an issue or I'm I'm the expert in my own life. And when someone says, oh yeah, that happened to me and so therefore this is what you should do, I find that actually not helpful at all. It's not really empathetic, is it? No, it's not. I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I think it's much better to help the person solve the problem around, well, what do you think you should do next? Or how does that make you feel? Um, and I think understanding 
why people have emotions and what they are, they are reacting to is really important. So if I can just take another step, I guess, in unpacking empathy, I, I don't think it's an everyday thing. I think it is um, in particular moments or scenarios where it can manifest. And I think in those circumstances, there is either the beginning of a wonderful relationship or it's um, the build of a wonderful relationship. So when you've got that fabric and context and people's backstories, I like to call it, it helps you understand them better rather than coming into a situation cold and feeling that judgment as you just talked about. I think when people say to you, this is what I would do, or yeah, when that happened to me, I did this. Mm, Not really helpful because you've got a different backstory to that person. Okay. So let's go a little bit deeper on this idea of actually the practical, what what it looks like at work. So there's a, you know, what are those glib sayings that great leaders have empathy, but what does that actually mean? If you're leading an organisation of 40,000 people, how can you have empathy for 40,000 people? Just going back to basic principles around leadership, it does start from the top and people will take their cues from those that are above them. And I think Again, watching that speed, being mindful of that speed and thinking about how you as a leader take time out to self-reflect and think about you at your best. So I think empathy is a competency that comes from self-awareness. Kate, we've described a bit about what empathy looks like and what it isn't. Have you got some personal experience you want to share in terms of realizations and the evolution of your understanding of empathy at work? I I do. I have two stories. One is, I think, um, from my perspective, when I was, um, I had a moment of, of really just being in someone else's shoes and, and looking from his eyes. And then I also have one where I felt others' empathy towards me. So if we start with the first one, um, it was actually quite a heated debate. And um, I was a fairly junior HR manager at the time. And I was talking to one of our union delegates who was, um, you know, from my perspective, a bit gruff and scary. And we had just uh, terminated someone and I had my version of events and and Mark, is his name, had his version of events. And I remember he confronted me and said, I'm just really disappointed that this is the outcome. And do you know that employee? Do you do you know him? And he said, you know, that me and the boys, we're gonna go and, and throw the hat around and and collect some money for him. And um, you know, this is a really sad outcome for him. I got a bit, I would say I got quite reactive. Um, it didn't, I didn't yell, but I felt it. I felt it in my gut. And I remember thinking, you know, yes, I do know this employee. I had been out to his house and my boss had come out with him and we'd met his family. We'd been talking to him for several months and tried to work out several scenarios where he could come back to work, but it wasn't possible and it, it probably wasn't safe for him either. And had been able to get a whole lot of support for him. And I shared that with Mark. And Mark's whole body softened and his face softened and his voice softened. And he said, I'm sorry, I didn't know that. And the moment he said that, I totally appreciated what he thought had happened. Uh, I think he thought that, you know, there was a letter that was sent to this person and I really admired him for his care it completely shifted my relationship with him. So he was a gruff sort of guy and I would say I'm, always, I'm 
fairly glass half full sort of person, but it really changed the dynamic in our relationship because I saw from him honest care and concern and the courage to raise that with me. And previously, I felt he was just there almost to be a thorn in my side. You know, if if I said white, he'd say black. So it really, really shifted the dynamic in our relationship to the point now I still come across him. This is 20 years later and he'll say to me, Kate, you're the best HR person we ever had. Um, I'm not sure that that's quite true, but but there is something in our relationship that has stood the test of time and I think it shifted at that moment. Um, my second experience, uh, I've had more, but these two really sit um, in terms of being a shift for how I've felt or experienced empathy. Um My husband passed away really suddenly uh, 18 months ago. So he was uh, happy and healthy one weekend um, in ICU the next um, with the flu and it it, it killed him. So uh, that was incredibly traumatic for me. My whole life shifted in a week. And I have, or we had, three, three young kids. So now they're 14, 12 and 10. And it was just such a shift in my world and my life. And about three months after Tim's death, I wrote a blog, which was predominantly to help me with my grief, but I had learned a few things. I'd learned a few things about me and my character. And I thought I would share that. A colleague of mine at work published it on the internet. And the response that I got from that was phenomenal. And it wasn't people feeling sorry for me. It was people sharing their own backstories. And I had this moment where I realised I walked past these people every day with these fantastic life stories and experiences that we just don't access. Well, some of the comments that people were sharing with me were their own stories, which allowed connection to build. And I still have people stop me randomly and say, I read your blog. It was just, you know, it was great that you were so authentic and that you were comfortable enough to share your feelings. But I also, it allowed me to get to know people better. And I was also really touched by people's support. And it felt, again, without judgment, There was support, there was sharing of their own stories and there was this encouragement around keep going, keep going. And it, for me, was another shift around relationships and building leadership cohorts and building connections. So I think it took some courage to do that and I would definitely say there was some vulnerability involved. But what I got back was, you know, it was just magnificent and I'm forever grateful for every response that I got. Um, It was a a shift in empathy. Kate, your experience of empathy at work has been a a very positive example. Interestingly, though, I keep hearing that we're becoming more unempathetic at work. We're lacking empathy. A lot of my clients are asked to demonstrate more empathy in their leadership. And self-interest seems to be a way of um, really pursuing individualistic pursuits over the collective. And it seems to be more of a request these days of, hey, can we have more empathy training at work? I'd like to get your view on that. Mm. So I, I I don't know that you can train empathy, right? I think empathy um, 
It doesn't live in text messages and emails and corridor conversations. Empathy lives in moments of presence. And I think what gets in the way of that, so one of them is time. I think the other is uh, is a lack of vulnerability and a lack of authenticity. And I am a big fan of courage and kindness, stolen proudly from Cinderella's story. Uh, but I don't really think that kindness is something that is valued as much as it should be in the workplace. And I think that there is a tendency for people to want to look decisive and powerful and on top of things. And that doesn't really allow them to have a moment where the shoulders go down and there's a plea for help or there's, can I grab you for a second just to take you through what I'm thinking? There are many missed opportunities in the way that we choose to conduct ourselves. And I deliberately using the word choice. You don't have to work in a workplace where you don't stop to ask people how their day is and really listen and look them in the eye. That's a choice that people make every day. So everybody can contribute to empathy. And I think it is a slow build. The more you do it, the better you get. You're not just going to hit it um, every time you, you have a crack at it. It is something that requires real connection and real um, passion and real care for people. And it does mean slowing down. And I think these are some of the challenges of the modern workplace that sometimes people aren't even sitting together. Sometimes people never meet. So they are some of the challenges, I think, in modern workplaces that we need to overcome. One of the things that people tell me is that um, behind technology, it's hard to be empathetic. I mean, if I'm hearing you correctly, this is what you're also saying with virtual teams, people working in different areas, globalisation and the overuse of technology means that we're not actually connecting and the ability to empathise then is lost. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think, you know, if you look at the increase of mental health and depression, anxiety and isolation, um, we are creating that in modern day workplaces. So I think, again, this is why it's really important that you make an effort to connect and really listen to people. So when you do have those connections, even if it is over business Skype or whatever application you, you're using, to actually take a few minutes to see how that person's day really is, to see if they need any help with anything, to understand what they're working on, perhaps to even introduce them to someone else that can help them. Those moments are becoming more and more critical if you want empathy. The research is telling us that the four dominant uh, future states for leadership are the ability to increase self-awareness and social intelligence. But with that comes influence and empathy. So it's interesting that something that we thought may have been a conversation that was had in the 80s or 90s, building empathy at work, is becoming such a strong driver now for leadership and performance. But the thing is, all the indicators are we're getting worse, hiding behind technology. So I'm interested in how we, you've talked about everyday uh, visiting empathy, but how do we get better at it? What are some of those component parts that are going to make it easier for us to build up that empathetic muscle? I think there's a couple of ways. I'm going to go with some practical, uh, I think, you know, business commercial advice first. And uh, I think really 
thinking about your customers and not thinking about customers in terms of margin or product, but thinking about your customers in terms of experience and talk to them. So coming from a background of working in service industries, I think the organisations that really think about what the experience their customers need to have, have through that been able to build more empathy with their customers, but also internally, because it means other people are thinking about experience rather than process. The second thing is if you're in a role like I am, so supporting other business leaders, really understanding their business and taking some time to go out and Uh, meet their clients and meet the employees and understand what their challenges are and how they make money is also really important context, right? So from there, you understand their world a little bit better. So that would be two pieces of, you know, practical, I guess, more commercial advice. And then it is interesting that in the 80s, you know, I think it was a word that was bandied around. And then I think authenticity has been another word that um, has been a bit of a buzzword But I do think there's gold in those capabilities. If you are a leader that shows authenticity and empathy, when the chips are down, when you really need your team to get behind you, when you've got some of those unreasonable requests, they will get in and help you. And they will also help you by giving you feedback because you've opened up those communication channels and they feel safe. And I think in those environments, you get better leaders and you get better teams. And better leaders, better teams means better cultures and means better performance. Really interesting how you've related that right back even to not just the everyday interactions with um, people in your office, but actually right back to performance, this ability to connect and have better quality conversations. Some of the component parts that I've heard deal with uh, that are part of empathy are things like listening. Now, you'd think we'd be pretty good at that by now. I've been listening all my life. But what does listening in the workplace have to do with empathy? Such a great connect. Listening is, I think it's almost a lost skill, really. And and uh, if I think about at home too, I know there are times when my kids are talking to me and I'm hearing them, but I'm not really listening. I think, you know, listening is beyond the words that people are giving you. It's the intonation and the feeling that sits behind it. And going into that moment with people and asking the curious questions or the next question helps you get underneath either what they're feeling anxious about or what they're asking you for or what they're wanting you to give them feedback on. So I think listening is something that we we do need to get better at. And I think organisations and leaders have been glossing over this one for some time. And you even think about people and their customer relationships and customers will say, you're not listening to us. Shareholders will say, you're not listening to us. It is it, it is such a critical ingredient for empathy. Um, I, I just, I think that's a great pickup, Margie, around what could we do to build more empathy. Listening is just critical. I like the idea of how we've pulled this together right through to down to performance. So what else do we, can we practically do every day to build and remind ourselves to use empathy? I'm going to start with a really basic one, which is how you hold yourself as you're walking through the corridors. So smiling at people is hugely beneficial for you. It helps you feel better, but it also makes you look more approachable. And you need to have the connection. You're not going to get empathy by 
wandering through uh, hallways with your head down, looking at your phone and uh, just going from meeting to meeting. So I think there are some really simple things that are those cues that start to build empathy and permission to be empathetic in the workplace. So that would be my very basic, if you want the one thing to do, smile, get your head out of your phone and make eye contact with people. Uh, if you want to notch it up a bit, the next thing is when you're getting your coffee or if you're in the tea room, just ask people how their day is going. I think they're really, really basic habits that if you can do that every day, it will change. I think on a more enterprise level, I would start with customers or clients. Who is it that you're trying to serve and think about it from a service perspective. So make your customer human and connect in with what is it that they want out of an experience with you. Is it a product? Is it a feeling? Is it an experience? And putting yourself in their shoes, as well as doing research and talking to them, will help you deliver a better experience for them. And if people feel that you get me, yep, I go there because they get me, they know me, they treat me well, they listen to me, you're really going to have a competitive advantage there. So the more we talk about this, these simple moments of deep empathetic connection with individuals, we're talking about the building of relationships and the connection in a workplace that's not fluffy, that's not about actually owning everyone's problems, but really about being able to understand different perspectives and how that applies through simple things like listening and rapport building and reframing and being present. I worked with a leader once who had a mantra which was promises made, promises kept. So with empathy, you do get trust and trust builds through doing what you say you're going to do. And most organisations go through a period where trust is missing. So empathy can lead to trust and then you've got to back it up. So do what you say you're going to do. I love it. Fantastic. So we're going to build relationships at work. We've actually pulled away from building those due to lots of things like technology, get your head out of your phone. Um, globalisation, not being able to see each other. So actually to build that um, empathy, to build the empathic relationships at work and the connections, we really need to be a bit deliberate about the way we go about our leadership and our work and the result is high performance for everybody. Uh, I've really enjoyed digging deeper on this idea of empathy at work and what it leads to. So thanks so much, Kate. I couldn't think of anyone better to talk about empathy at work And remember, make good choices. Practice using the empathy muscle for better working relationships. Fast Track is produced in the studios of Podcast One Australia. The producer is Brooke Carrigan. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au. Download the app or search Fast Track Career Conversations Podcast.